going to pray and then we are going to jump into one of our favorite conversations about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, our convictor, right? Isn't that great? I'm sure you guys all were looking forward to it and saying, whoa, I can't wait for this sermon today. All right? Well, let's pray and then we will dive into the Lord's Word together. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for this time that we can gather together as brothers and sisters in unity, as we worship aloud to extol and lift up your name, as we come to the Word and hear your living, breathing Word to our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you illuminate the Word of God to us, that you make it make sense, that you are our guide. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will not just educate our minds this morning, that we won't come for simply education, but Father, we will ask and seek and pray for and earnestly desire transformation because you are continuously sanctifying us through and through. And so today, may we leave even more sanctified than we were when we came. In your name, amen. Amen. So really quickly, I always like to to open up with an illustration that helps set up the the view of where we're going. And the the first thing I want to tell you is, honestly, I have a poor sense of direction. Without my phone that gives me directions on the map, I would get lost very easily. It frustrates Hillary because she is like amazing at directions. She knows exactly where she's going and always understands the road and can think four or five steps ahead. I can barely think of the step that I'm on. It's so bad that I'm a creature of habit that if I'm going down Melanie Lane where we live in the parsonage and I, I need to go left, I usually always turn right because that's every day I turn right to come to the church. Well, we'll be driving and we'll be coming to, to the stop sign and I'll flip my, my right uh, you know, light on and she's like, stop, you need to go left. Right, go left. And I'm like, I was going to go this way because I wanted to go the long way around. <laughs> right? You know, as a man, we just make up excuses, right? And I already turned right and I'm going around and I'm trying to think, okay, how do I get back to where I need to go? And then I just look at her and say, what's the fastest way? <laughs> Right? It's when we go on the wrong path, we need to admit it, and we need to, to go after the right path. We need to adjust where we are to go. My wife is a great help in adjusting directionally where I need to go. It is a, a huge help in me, in my life. And the Holy Spirit is the same. The Holy Spirit is our course corrector. And I feel that when it comes to my life, many times I I do the same thing I do while I drive, right? There's this sense of God is whispering to me, stop, go left. And I'm like, well, I was going to go that way anyways. I'll get there. I'll get there. And, And we need to recognize that as the Holy Spirit is our convictor, we need to recognize when we're off course, we need to admit it, adjust it, and align ourselves aright. We need to admit it, adjust it, and align ourselves aright. Because if the Holy Spirit is our convictor, and the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us down the path with which we need to go down, we better listen to His advice and allow His conviction to move us to where we need to be. We need to admit it, adjust it, and align ourselves aright, surrendering and obeying to the Holy Spirit. 
So as we look at this idea of the Holy Spirit as our convictor, we are going to begin in the book of John, but we're also going to do what I like to call Bible calisthenics. Because not only does the Holy Spirit, the convictor, show up in the book of John, he is all around the scriptures. We're going to go to First Chronicles, or Second Chronicles rather, we're going to go all the way back to First John as well. So I'm going to read those passages for us. But as we are reading that and as we're discovering it, I believe that we come up with this question. And the question is this, what does the conviction from the Spirit look like and how do we respond? What does the conviction of the Holy Spirit look like and how do we respond? I'm going to begin uh, in the very beginning uh, of where we're going today in 2 Chronicles and I'm going to be looking, I know I didn't list it on your, your notes, so you're probably like furiously trying to find Second Chronicles. I'll read it. It's only a couple of verses uh, in Second Chronicles. So here it is, Second Chronicles 6, or Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. It says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles 30, verse 9. And we'll highlight the second half of verse 9. It says this, For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors and return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away His face from you if you return to him, if you return to him. Now we're going to look at the main text with which we are going to unpack the idea of the Holy Spirit as our convictor. And that's John chapter 16, verses 7 through 14. And, and I'm, I'm doing this because I want you to understand the fullness of where we're going this morning. You'll see some of these verses attached to specific points. And that's why I want you to understand why that is attached to that specific point as we move forward. So John chapter 16 verses 7 through 14. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, and He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. And now we're going to move to the book of First John. Actually, Acts first. <coughs> Nope, sorry. First John, I apologize. First John, 1, 9 through 10. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. 
And then John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. But also for the sins of the world. As we look at this passage in John chapter 16, where it's clear that the Holy Spirit is our convictor, we can recognize that Jesus is specifically talking not only to the lives and the hearts of the disciples, but he's talking about the world at large, that the Holy Spirit will convict the world and us as believers of our sin. We'll convict the world of righteousness because we are not righteous. And we'll convict the world of judgment because when we don't turn to the Lord, when we don't correct and align ourselves, if we don't believe the gospel, there will be judgment. There will be judgment. That's not a really fun conversation that many pastors like to say from the pulpit, but there is a reality that there is judgment for those who do not believe in the truth. And here we see that the Holy Spirit is the convictor of the world. So how, what does the conviction of the Holy Spirit look like and how do we respond? I think the first way that you and I can respond is this. The Holy Spirit is the convictor. We are not. <laughs> we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is the convictor and we are not. Why is that important? I think many times, at least in my own experience, and maybe you can relate to this, but when people are in sin, when people are messing up, I want to be the convincer and the convictor that they're wrong. I want to be the one that argues with them until they believe that what I'm saying is right. Now the scripture in 1 Peter 3.15 says that we are to have a defense but it doesn't mean that we are to force them to believe what we believe. That is not our job. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the convictor. Look at what Jesus says in verse 8. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world. He will convict the world. Listen, it is not your job to convict the world. Now, where do I struggle with this most? With my children. <laughs> Maybe you can relate. Where your child is just messing up and you're getting frustrated. And you want your child to see that they are wrong. And you want them to repent. And you want them to turn around. And, and you're saying, man, I just want you to get it. And maybe you have a wayward child that you're just frustrated with and you're saying, please, just understand. And we have this argument and you have this discussion over and over and over again. But rather than trying to be the convictor, our job is to pray for the convictor to show up in the hearts and the lives of the people that we love. Now we can have a defense. It's supposed to be laced with grace and truth. Absolutely. But we are not the convictor. We need to hand that over to the Lord. We need to hand the idea of convictor to the Lord. Jesus very clearly says it is the job of the Holy Spirit. It is not your job and it is not my job. This is important because we need to be consistently reminded of our own humanity and God's deity. Because if we try to take God's job, we forget that we're a human. 
But the reality is, my friend, is that you and I are human. We're not God. We need to stop playing God in every aspect of our lives. And one of the ways that we need to stop trying to take God's job is as the convictor. He is the convictor and we are not. The next thing that we can see in verses 8 through 13, and if you were to look at 1 John 2, 1 through 2 again, is this, that the conviction of sin is for course correction, not condemnation. The conviction of sin is for course correction, not condemnation. Look also at John 3, 17. Jesus says very specifically his mission, which then is the mission of the Holy Spirit, which then is the mission of the church. In John chapter 3, verse 17, he says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The conviction of sin is for course correction, not condemnation. You see, the key word here is reprove. In Greek, it's alentro in John 16, 8. It is a legal word that means to bring to light, to expose, to refute, to convict, and convince. The Holy Spirit's conviction in our lives is to convince us that we're going down the wrong path. He doesn't say, I'm going to hate you if you don't correct He's saying, come, please, I desire for you to turn around because I know what awaits you if you don't. I know the pain of that sinful choice in your future. I see and I recognize the path that you're going down is wrong and is detrimental to your life. Turn back to me. It is for course correction, not condemnation. Look at the story of the prodigal son. That is an image, a picture of God, our Father, how he is drawing us back to himself and his response. When his son comes back to him, as he was convinced that he needed to go back to his father, his father does not shame him, his father hugs him. His father does not say, get out of here, it's done, I can't believe that you would do this to me. No, he puts his ring upon his finger and says, this is my son. No one can touch him because he has returned back to me. When the Holy Spirit brings conviction, his desire is that we turn back to him. That we return to our Father. It is for the sake of course correction, not condemnation. But my friends, we also must understand that if we are not surrendering to the Holy Spirit, There will be huge ramifications for our sins. We need to repent. We need to turn back. When the Holy Spirit speaks, we need to listen. We need to listen. Those of you who know Christ, you were drawn towards Christ by the convicting and convincing power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't by your own admission The Holy Spirit was drawing you. The Holy Spirit was convincing you and exposing your sin to you. The Holy Spirit was your convictor. The only reason why you repented and turned away from your sin, if you are a believer, is because the Holy Spirit convinced you you were wrong. And you turned to Him. 
The areas in your life that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of right now. Exposing the areas of sin in your life right now as your convictor. Do what you did when you believed in Him. And listen again to His voice and turn back to your Father. Because He loves you. He desires your course to be corrected. Because for the believer, the Holy Spirit's conviction is love-based, not shame-based. For the believer, the Holy Spirit's conviction is love-based, not shame-based. As a father, think really quickly how you correct your children. Do you shame them or do you love them? Do you look at them and say, I desire for you to go down this path. I am desperate for you to change because of my love for you. Or do you sit there and attack their identity? You're such an idiot. You always do this. This is always your fault. Always this. Always that. If you do that, you need to, con- you need to be convinced that you're sinning against your child. Because you're ruining their identity because God loves them as you should love them. And you can recognize you want your child to return. You desire your child to move from that path because of your love. Why did Jesus come to earth? Because the Father so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for you and to die for me. That's an act of love. It's not an act of shame. It's an act of conviction that we realize a holy God would come to this earth as a human, take on our sin, be condemned to death for our sake. That's love. And we need to remember that the Holy Spirit, when he convicts that it's a love-based idea, not a shame-based idea. When the Spirit convicts concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment, the point is to display we've sinned. We're not righteous. And if we don't correct course, we will be judged. Now, those sins that are held against us when we get to heaven, will that hinder our ability to get into the gates of heaven? I don't believe so. I believe there are some sins where it says in the scripture, it says that if you refute the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? We'd have to take a long theological discussion to deal with that. (laughs) But the reality is is that, that you still will have some judgment upon those things that you've done. The Lord will look at you and he'll say, these are the things that you did not repent of. You did not turn away from these things and they have hindered your life. My friends, the Holy Spirit God the Father and God the Son desperately loves you, is passionate about you, desires for your course to be corrected. We must repent and turn away from our sins. Remember that that verse in 1 John 1.10, the person who says they're not with sin is a liar. And they must not know the word because the word clearly says that you and I have sin in our lives. The theology of sin is not a fun theology to discover. 
But it's a real one that as believers we must recognize. If we are to turn away from the world and turn towards Christ, if we are to be saved, we must turn away from sin, that which kills and and annihilates our life. We must turn away from it and turn back to the Father. For the believer, the Holy Spirit's conviction is love-based, not shame-based. Warren Wiersbe says this of this passage. He said, there can be no conversion without conviction. And there can be no conviction apart from the Spirit of God using the Word of God and the witness of the child of God. Wow, when you and I are saved and when we are living in the convincing nature of the Holy Spirit and we are repenting and turning back, our life will shine a light upon other people's lives where they can see the reality of their own sin and they can turn back to the Father. They can turn to Him away from death and into life. My friends, you and I living in repentance, living in confession, allowing the Holy Spirit to convince and convict us of our sin is imperative for our witness. One of the many things that causes the generation of millennials and Generation Z to reject the church are two things, that the church is hypocritical and judgmental. Hypocritical in the fact that they don't admit their own sin, but they yell at other people about their sin, and they live a life of sin while pretending to be righteous. And of judgment because they feel they're so righteous and so good and so sinless and they ignore their own stuff. They look at other people who have more obvious sins and they begin to judge them and talk about them and gossip behind their back. Did you see what that person was wearing? Did you see what that person said? Did you see that person drinking that thing at the the restaurant? Oh my gosh. Sinners. But we need to look in the mirror and say, where am I sinning? Where does the Holy Spirit need to correct my course? Where is the Holy Spirit speaking to me about my need for repentance? Because, my friends, that is imperatively important to our growth, to our sanctification. We don't have to remain stuck in our sins. When we listen to the Holy Spirit, we can move forward. We can repent and we can grow And our witness can grow in this world as well. I experienced this idea of the Holy Spirit, His conviction being love-based and not shame-based in a huge, very embarrassing experience in my life. When I was a, uh, a pastor on the University of Pittsburgh's campus, There was another huge church ministry that I began to grow bitter against because our church wasn't growing as fast. Our church wasn't as relevant. Our church wasn't as cool. And, and, you know, we kind of had a little bit of geeky people in our church, and they had all the cool people in their church, and they had a lot more money to blow on things like food trucks and all this stuff. And I remember the beginning of the school year being so frustrated because we were just going to have a lowly little barbecue on a baseball field, and they had seven food trucks that they were going to feed college students with. And you know what I did? I went around Oakland, (laughs) this is so embarrassing, and I took down every single sign for their food truck. (laughs) Yeah, your pastor's an idiot. (laughs) 
And so when I, when I felt that way, I wasn't convicted of my sin. I did not allow the Holy Spirit to say anything until a year later. And he broke me. Because I was reading a book called Deeper Faith by a guy named Rob Reamer. And in the book, I read this. Envy gets our eyes off of God and onto us. And it limits the activity of God in our lives. Envy quenches the spirit and often causes us to question the fairness of God as we look at what others have that we are missing. And in that moment as I read that, the Holy Spirit dropped the remembrance of what I had done and said, my son, it's time to repent. And then he said, it's time for you to confess to your student leaders what you did. And then he said, it's time for you to preach this sermon and give this illustration that you did this. And that is so embarrassing. But it was love-based, it wasn't shame-based. I felt the Father's love and the conviction from the Holy Spirit. It was a reproof and a rebuke that I desperately needed. Because you know what I noticed? I looked back on the year that I had not repented of that envious sin, and I saw that our church did not really grow at all. And I knew that it was my sin that hindered the growth of our church. That's a heavy weight. That's a hard thing to come up to realize, but the Holy Spirit did so in love. And he was there when I repented, and I cried when I had to admit, like I was just so broken that I had to admit something so dumb to college students. But it brought about a nice revival for our kids. They were inspired to begin confessing really even crazier things than that. My friends, the Holy Spirit's conviction is love-based. Sometimes the Spirit gently lets us know that we're in the wrong. and Sometimes it's pretty loud. It's pretty clear. David's conviction that came from Nathan was not a soft thing. But he changed. And he repented and he corrected course. The Holy Spirit is our convictor because he loves us, desires to transform us. Well, how do we know that the Spirit of God is speaking to us and convicting us of our sin? <laughs> well, the reality is, is if all of a sudden you're looking at your life and you're like, wow, I sinned. That wasn't you. <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit. We don't just come up with things and say, oh, I'm a mess. I really sinned. No, that's the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart saying, hey, just check this out. I want you to course correct. Because the road you're going down is detrimental. It will annihilate your life. It'll annihilate your marriage. It'll annihilate your family. Correct your course now. The Holy Spirit brings those gut-wrenching gut moments. Like when I was reading that book completely for a year, forgot all about my envious sin. And boom, it came. I had a decision to make. Do I surrender or not? Do I obey and repent 
or not. And my friends, my challenge to you and to me is that I'm sure right now the Holy Spirit is convicting you of some sins. Repent today. Do not allow those things in your heart and in your life to linger. Now, there's another set of you that's probably thinking, I can't wait to share this CD with my family. Yes, this sermon is for John, or this sermon is for Janet, or this sermon is for this person, and you're like, whoa, I'm going to take this CD. I'm going to say, listen to this thing. You need conviction. (laughs) Sorry, that was loud. I apologize. I get really excited. I wasn't in the pulpit last week. I'm sorry. But the reality is, is it's for you. The Holy Spirit is calling you to repentance. The Holy Spirit is calling you. So when you sense the Holy Spirit speaking, listen. When you sense the Holy Spirit speaking, listen. Because He loves you. Because He cares for you. Because he is speaking, are we listening? Are we praying and asking the Lord, what are the sins in my life that I need to repent of? What course do I need to correct? Because we should seek to be more and more and more and more sanctified, holier and holier. That is the call upon our lives. And we do that through intimacy, obedience, surrender, listening to the Holy Spirit when he guides us, listening to the Holy Spirit when he comforts us, and listening to the Holy Spirit when he convicts us. When the Holy Spirit speaks, listen. Follow through with obedience. Finally, how are we to respond? We're to respond with surrender and humility. Remember 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles rather, 7:14 and 1 John 1, 9 through 10. We must respond with surrender and humility. Just like when I was in, in the car and Hillary was correcting me to drive somewhere different. I wasn't very humble all the time. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going the right way. You're wrong because I can just go around this way. I'm going the loop-de-loop way. You're going the direct way. This is more beautiful. This is more fun. Pray for my wife, okay? <laughs> I'm glad she's not here. Pray for her. She has to deal with all of this every day. But the reality is is the Holy Spirit is challenging us and offering for us to choose to move forward in surrender and obedience. And we need to do that with humility, saying, you know what? I'm off course. We need to admit it. We need to adjust through the power of the Holy Spirit, correcting our course. And then we need to align ourselves to write with His mission and His goal. And when we surrender and obey in humility, we repent and we turn away from the sin and we turn back to the Father. My friends, surrender with humility. Admit it. Don't try and excuse your sins away. In America, we have a lot of fun trying to do that. At least I'm not as bad as her. At least I'm not as bad as him. He was smoking cigarettes. I just said a a little bit of a bad word. I'm better. No, no matter what it is, and you know it's sin, repent. Go back to your father. Don't excuse your sins away. You need to repent. I 
need to repent. And repentance is running to God, not away from God. Repentance is running to God, not away from God. Think of the story of Adam and Eve. In the very beginning, and I've, I've brought you back to Genesis in the beginning because we understand our humanity when we go back to creation. Remember, Adam and Eve had just sinned. And they were going to cause the entirety of history to be ruined. The earth itself would groan with the, with the awaiting of the return of Christ because sin broke the earth, sin broke humanity, sin broke every aspect of our lives. And God knew what the ramifications of their sin would be. And you know what happens? They run away, but God pursues. God asks the question, where are you? Where are you? And they confess what we hid because we thought it was going to go really bad. <laughs> we thought we would die. And, and God does something pretty incredible. When they repent and return back to him, he covers over their nakedness, which is a symbol of Christ covering over our sin annihilating it, allowing us to be clothed with Christ, as Colossians says. God is not going to smack us around when we repent and return to Him. He's going to be like the father in the story of the prodigal son. He's going to do exactly what He did with Adam and Eve. Now talk about a big mess up. You're ruined everything. I don't know if I'd be really happy with Adam. I'd probably slap him around a bit. Like, you just messed up everything. But no, God brings him back into the intimate relationship and covers him. God desires to do the same for you. Do not run away from God. Run to him. And the promise of Scripture is in 1 John 1, 9, that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will purify us from all unrighteousness. All of it. Not a little bit, but all of it. May we return to our intimate relationship with the Father. And I pray that you won't leave this place as the Holy Spirit is convicting you, even if it's as silly as taking down the signs of somebody's advertisement for a better church or a better whatever event that's going on. It doesn't matter. Just turn back to Him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for a wretch just like me. Thank you. May we be convinced of our sins. Admit them. Adjust. And as we confess, you align us correctly. In your name. Amen.